Pursuit of Podcast, a purely guest-centric show focusing on people and organizations that advance positive change. Positivity can be anywhere, and in a time of vast discord, the pursuit of is finding those who champion its causes loudest. Join us as we sit and learn about the pursuits of local leaders in their community. Let's go. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Pursuit of Podcast, where it's truly not us, it's you. I'm Ryan Buck, Artist Development, New Leonard Media. With me is the boss, Mark Wilson, President, New Leonard Media. How are you, sir? Hi, Ryan. I'm doing great. I got a new hat today you as did. a gift. Yeah, That's it was... a, That is way too much about us, truly. <laughs> but more importantly, our guest today is Dana Black, podcaster, actor, producer, TEDx speaking coach, Lover of croissants. It's true. That was the bit. Come on. No, I wasn't. I told you. <laughs> I was like, come Expectations on. Expectations may least have been way higher. Six more minutes of that. It, it's it, a cute uh, hat. Oh, it's, exactly. you know. This ain't even the one I got for free, actually. Yeah, just, it was fun. Nice it was hat. a good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And this is one of those where you meet somebody and you know this could last forever. This could be a podcast that goes on in perpetuity because you are endlessly fascinating and this is what you do. Or just my dad listens. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, okay. That's, that's good inspiration yeah. and motivation. <laughs> well, I'll start with the question I've I've started asking recently, and it may sound kind of corny to do that, but let's say you're at a gathering of some sort. It's could maybe professional or it's a party. Mm. We're doing that now. We're, we're back into that swing. And somebody asks you, what do you do? What's your response? Ugh. Really? See? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What do I do? That's fascinating. Well, I think as an actor or as an artist, I mean, we're constantly questioning what we do, I feel like. And especially now, like I wear many hats. So I'm like, what is the thing that so I So is the better question, do? what makes you happy? Should mm. we replace what do you do yeah. in a party with what makes you happy? Gin and tonics, right. Um, <laughs> if I'm having a gin and tonic at the party, then it'd probably be easier to say what it is you're that I do. You're just going to brick Tamlin it. You're looking right, at whatever right, you're seeing yeah. and saying you love it. What I do. Yeah, what do you I mean, do? Yeah. I I am a podcaster. That is something I do. I started a podcast called I Swear on My Mother's Grave. And through that podcast, I've built retreats. So I say right now, I'm a podcaster who's trying to grow a business around complicated maternal loss through bold, funny, vulnerable conversations about the loss of our complicated moms. Now, if I took some lines away from you already, Ryan, no, no I'm just telling you that's what I do, right? And then other days, I do self-tapes for TV. I do auditions for radio spots. I do emotional intelligence work for corporations. I do work on my house that I just bought in Traverse City. <laughs> I do other people's podcasts. Sometimes I lay down just straight up don't so do shit. Typically, the point is, what do I do is, right? I try to be a good wife. I try to be a good friend. I love this because- so, what do you at do? This point, Lots. I love that. And now I, my follow-up question is normally, now there's a semicircle of people around you because it's enough to mm -hmm. start. Now I'm going to bet there's a huge circle of people around at you. At the party. We're at the party. Again. Yes. You've, that was your answer. Ooh. Now, what kind of questions do you normally get? And are they- God, that's a great question. I love that. I like seeing the people around me. Where it's a fancy party, yeah, right? right? We're dressed, what, I'm what in. you just said, like, what do you do? Maybe a gala. Was enough. And a bunch of people are like, I'm going to get in on this. And so after that- Almost what, what, everybody will say something about their mom or relation to loss. If I bring up the podcast first, or especially if I bring up the retreat, people want to know more about that. And they want to know, are you going to do retreats up in Traverse City? How long have you been doing them? I'd love to come on your show. These are also comments I get. Right. But I have a dead dad. 
You know, they, they're being sassy, yeah. but they're trying to say like, sure. I haven't lost my mom, but I've lost this person in my life. Or I just want to come on your show and talk to you about legacy and children and right. storytelling and life. But I'm lucky my mom is still here. So that's what they really talk to me about. And then when it's TV and film, people are like, what can I see you on? And all the bullshit of like, mm, yeah. what have you ever been in Broadway? Right. Because we, we only quantify do, do people, success through yeah, no, um, the different stratospheres. That's funny that right? you sure. say that. Because Just like you, like how many famous musicians have come into the studio? Yeah, that's what or, they want to know. Or, right? or actors. So if I right. say that like, oh, somebody came in to do ADR for a WB show. Yeah. That will make my father-in-law go, wow, sounds like your oh, business is doing something. It's like, well, that was a couple days. Yeah. Like, but any of my larger long-term contracts, like people are like, who? They do what? what? Yeah. I, I think now that I moved up here, I used to live in Chicago, which we'll talk about, but like now I live in Traverse. And so if I said that at a party here or at Farm Club, mm-hmm. that I'm an actor, they're like, what are you going to do up here? Is there a lot of work up here for you? Is there stuff you can do? Yeah. They're more like, oh, you left Chicago. To come here. They're more concerned that you made a tragic career choice. They're worried about me. No, they're just like, yeah, or are you going to work at the Old Town Playhouse? Or they they want to give you options. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very, they want to support. Oh, you're going to go teach out at the Arts Academy. Right. Which one? Interlocking? Yeah. Or, yeah. Of course, the one time. There's an assumption if you're. Yeah, uh, right. They assume that's what you're going to do. So I think that's what people would say. Let's say that they hone in on podcasting because, you know, what you said, and that led to a bunch of different things. The word retreat came up. The word maternal came up and the way you articulated it is really great. But I'm just going to, I'm going to start by focusing on the fact that you have a really, really tremendous podcast oh. called I Swear on My Mother's Grave. Thank you. And um, The check's in the mail, Ryan. Can, well, you know what? <laughs> and I know there's decorum about like how much we should praise one another, but I believe in sincere praise. So I've listened to Smartless. You can gas me up, all right? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Those guys are like. Everyone's just like right. loving on each. I'm like, we get it. We get it. Everyone's hugging each other. <laughs> I, it's a I, I love it. And Thank it's you. fantastic. And I want to ask you right off the bat, how is it so good right out the gate? Mm. Um, You're good, Ryan. Because it, it was <laughs> right you. out the gate. It wasn't a, a, a lot of podcasts, if I may elaborate, evolve mm. or they find their voice. Your podcast was stellar from episode one. Mm. I mean, I disagree. There's parts of it that I still, I look back and I go, that could have been better. We all do. As artists, I see myself on TV, whatever. We, we're hard on ourselves. So there are moments where I was like, that isn't great. But the truth, and I'll say what somebody said to me, when that show came out and people were like, your show sounds so professional. It's so good. Why does it sound like an NPR show? Or you're incredible. I told my editor that, which was so nice to hear. This was during the pandemic. Like This podcast came out during the depth of the pandemic. And I told my editor that, who's a professional audio engineer, runs a company for film and audio. I'm a SAG after union performer of 20 years of experience of, you know, I have empathy. I love storytelling. I have incredible artists as my guests and people. I was like, what do you mean it sounds homegrown? We're pros. Like, it almost was like, we should be doing this yeah, work, right? Yeah, like, like, what did you it expect? Was built, it was so almost your built pressure for me, right? Was like, you, because of all the things yeah. you said, <laughs> it had to be that good? It, kinda, right it was like, come on, we got to make this sound good. Because I also believe audio will kill bad audio, as you both know, mm-hmm. will turn anyone off. And again, and I should give myself credit. I mean, again, like, I don't think everybody can listen and be empathetic. So I do want to say, like, that is a superpower of mine to be able to hold space for other people. And I knew that. And levity is a power of mine through grief, humor, being vulnerable, being kind of sassy, saying shit that people aren't saying. Like, that is a superpower. But I couldn't have done any of that without an editor. I have a graphic designer. 
I bought a six hundred dollar mic. I'll be real about it. Well, you're Do you know very what I mean? Altruistic like, because I went you, for it. <laughs> you thank so many people. Right yeah, my the therapist. You think, and it's customized, but it feels genuine and it's very real. Yeah. Because I think a lot of podcasters really want that perception that it's on their shoulders and immediately no. you thank everybody else <laughs> no. save for yourself. No. Which, you know, I'll no. just thank you for your work Yeah, no here, way. So it's I couldn't do any of it without I, I my best friend. I almost wanted to answer it for you it. as he was asking. It's just like, well, it has a focus. Right. And it was well thought out before even starting. I mean- it wasn't totally thought out because I didn't know what I was making. And I wasn't a huge fan of, po- I wasn't like a podcast fanatic. So to be honest, I, I did interviews and then I was like, well, let's see what this is. I just got on Zoom with people, made sure we had good audio, but I didn't know what it was going to really be. And I also gave myself the permission at any time to change the format. And I believe once I started growing my listeners and people trusted me, which I think anybody knows in the podcasting world, if your audience trusts you, you can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. And so I still want to keep messing with the format if I keep continuing. But we'll get into that, I'm sure, later. Podcasting's oh a lot of work, Just... and podcasting's a lot of money. Anyway, it, it next. <laughs> well, because you, it are, can be. you are an artist, and we'll put that in context, because it's so good. And I think you explained this, but did you, are you somebody who envisions success? Like, mm-hmm. did you see receiving your People's Choice Podcast Award or the Obama's people reaching out to you and saying, mm-hmm. we think you need Barack in your sphere, he should be a guest on his show. He's lost his mom. Right. Did you envision it like that or did you envision it day by day? I envisioned it day by day, but the more I did it and the more work it is, the more money it costs, the ego creeps in and the ego is like, am I doing this as a passion project? Am I doing this as a hobby? What am I doing? What is the end result? Right. You know, And that is still hard for me. I want to create content that helps me, which it's doing. It's healing, healing other people. But I dream of like... I want to get a podcast agent or pitch to other networks, get acquired, but I also know that's really hard. And like, well, you also did want merch before your first episode. I did. And, and I did. Was it your yeah. husband who said maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do one first? Yes. My husband was like, maybe you should like record a conversation before you get bags made. I was like, I need mugs, and then I want to pitch like Sarah Silverman and right and Anderson Cooper, and he was like. Maybe you should just do an episode. But, but every, you know what I mean? <laughs> every band since the beginning of time, right. I'm sure, have, or since right. the beginning right. of recording has done the same thing. They haven't recorded anything yet, but like, right. you get And he's like, merch. maybe you should slow down, right? So yeah. what you needed was a recorder, a photo of your mom, and a mm. lake. Yeah, that's right. Good job. That's what you, you used. Yeah. So, I talked into my voice memo app on my phone at a lake on the anniversary of my mom's death about her. And that was how I started. Now, was that an exercise due to any training that you received as an actor, or was that something you just did as a person? That's what I felt like doing. I think for me, even before the pandemic, I was feeling like I don't know if I want to keep acting because I didn't want to play just other people. I wanted to start like figuring out how to talk in my voice, so doing storytelling, which I do, just speaking in my voice, using my words. And I think that was an exercise of taking something, my phone or a microphone, and just speaking into it in my voice, with my humor, with my style of how I grieve, and then playing it back because you get to hear your own voice back to you and see where you might like get emotional or where you might feel there's there's room for breath in that beat. And so hearing that back for myself was like, oh, I should talk to other people. And then when they hear this back, they're going to hear their voice reflected in right. a year from now, two years from now, or a month from now about what they said. And in that moment in time, because I think a podcast is just, especially mine, is just a moment in time about where they are right now in that grief process. It's going right. to shift and change forever. But that conversation is just 
that moment in time for them in terms of their loss. But yeah, I loved just using my mic, my phone as the mic. I didn't have to have fancy equipment and I was by myself. And but that first one, great. were you performing or were you talking to that photo? I was just talking to that photo. Yeah. To my mom. And well, no, I think I was just, I was talking about my mom in that photo. Yeah. What she looks like. I was describing it on the mic. Or and that's a photo that's phone. with you all at all recordings? Yes. Okay. I, I keep it up. Mm-hmm. And even if you record outside of your normal, yes. that's something that needs I didn't to be bring with. it today. I brought it yesterday when I did an interview here. Right. Yeah. Now, this pursuit became something because you had a story to tell. You had things that needed to get out. And you were getting a little tired from acting. Can you kind of speak to that? Because, you know, maybe that's not a relatable premise to some people. Like, yeah. oh, this actor's tired of acting. You know, <laughs> to so many actors, it's really common, but if you're know, not an actor, like, that's funny. Like, yeah. oh, well, like, I, yeah. I, you know, how's that relatable? Yeah. But there's so much more that goes into it and so much more that went into deciding to do this yeah. as something to put all this time in that may not have return. I mean, I think, Financially. like I said, yeah, like I said about wanting to speak in my own voice, I think that was part of it. I kind of wanted to have control over the stories I told, have a control over my life, which actors don't have any control over anything. So choosing when I perform, choosing when I work, choosing how I talk, choosing the style of how I do it, the medium I choose, this podcast and this pandemic, which pandemic was not a gift. It was a horrible collection of grief for the whole planet. It was horrible. But that time, that quietness, that slowing down, getting next to my Spanx in my closet, talking to other people about their moms was this incredible gift. And as an artist for Dana, as a storyteller, my God, (laughs) I'm like really proud of like this thing was just born of the pandemic but and i might never never have like done it if i hadn't have been forced to slow down right and i think yeah actors just don't have a lot of control over our lives and i wanted to dictate what i was putting out into the world and again i'm not making money yet on the retreats or some income so i'm not making money through the podcast yet so it isn't like oh i traded off this career where i wasn't making a living but i knew that i couldn't just rely on acting for me and i I didn't want to be resentful of the entire industry. I wanted to like still love it. I wanted to step away for a minute. I mean, I still act. I still go out for TV film, and but I stepped away from theater for sure. It was hard, but whatever. I can go and, back and at any time. That's, that's a part of it that I, I think you know is fascinating. Is, yeah. Is a, I have a daughter who acts, and acting is more than movies. Yeah. Acting is theater. Acting is oh a gosh. grind. It is. It could be putting on a play in a yeah. basement that may yeah. or may not be up to code. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some nobility in that. Yeah. Um, I love that Jamie Lee Curtis, I don't think it was the Oscars. It might have been the SAG Awards or the Emmys or the Golden Globe. I don't know. But she talked about how, like, I know a lot of you might be watching this and being, like, sad that you don't get to do this because it is a luxury, even for her. She's saying getting to work, to be in a room, to collaborate, to be on set – it's rare when it happens. And yeah. I know so many of you, she said out there in the audience, don't aren't getting to do this right now, you yeah. know? And it is. It's true. Like when we get to work, it's such a joy. What a gift. That's but the that's kind like of thing rare. That reignites your love of or, or your belief in movies and, and yeah. your belief that there are people out there that are real. Yeah. No matter their circumstances. You could be jealous of their financial status. Right. But they are demonstrating that they're doing it for the real things and that they do care about others. Yeah. And so many kids should know that, or younger people coming up, that there's so many ways to act that are not on a stage or behind a camera. Like I said, I do this emotional intelligence work with companies where I teach people about EI and how to have sympathy and vulnerability and how to connect. There's ways to be 
You can work in hospitals doing standardized patient work. You could work inside a theater. Like I worked inside a large theater and I was an administrator, but like I'm still around the theater all day long. And then the I Goodman went. Goodman Theater. Can that's we right, that's right. Goodman, plug? Yeah, okay. okay. It's such yeah. a beautiful, from a it's fellow so Chicagoan. It's Chicago. And that's the thing. When you reminisce, there are some amazing things about it. Yeah. If you think back as early as you can kind of articulate these concepts and you can kind of frame this however you mm-hmm. like, what was for you the dream, the plan, and the reality? <laughs> so much time do we have? And where's that gin and tonic? <laughs> Come on. Come on, Mark. It's five o'clock somewhere, <laughs> yeah, yeah. literally here. Yeah. <laughs> this is to, water. We'll have to order. What was the plan? The dream, the plan, and the reality. The dream, the plan, and the reality. Is this hard for a lot of people? Is this a tough it, one? It's interesting because it's answered in different ways. Yeah. It's rarely answered directly. Yeah, that's hard. The dream. Maybe it's got to go. <laughs> we live and we learn. You know? Yeah, it's Maybe tough. we do. If a professional can tell me that this is a speed bump, we can actually move <laughs> fast. <laughs> Edit. The play- yeah, I mean, the dream. Yeah, the dream. Because I don't want to assume that you wanted to be Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. I don't want to assume. So, I mean, I thought I was going to do know, musicals. From, from this yeah. standpoint in this setting, right. if you could just articulate quickly what, yeah. for you, what the dream, the plan, and reality was. I went to school. I mean, I did theater since the age of eight. I went to college for theater. I went to a liberal arts college in upstate New York. Was that part of the plan or part of the dream? Oh, that was part of the dream. Mm. I don't know if it's Even part of the schooling? plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I spoke at my high school graduation. I did speech team in high school. I went to state. I always joke like I might have peaked at 16. You know what I mean? I was really crushing it at 16. It's like you a were? homecoming court, spoke at high school graduation, speech team, <laughs> state. I was killing it. Wow. You know. And then I was like, well, guess I'll- By traditional standards. Though. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And I thought, gosh, I'll never work again. Um, and <laughs> 16. I, right. And so when I hit my 20s, I guess the speed bump would be an alcoholic boyfriend, um, my parents divorced. Anyway, but like my 20s went a little different and I didn't pursue TV and film. I went and had a bunch of different jobs. I did theater for every night. I did theater all the time. That's great. But I didn't pursue the money and pursue film and TV until my late 30s. And I think that is where the plan kind of went off the rails because personally, I loved theater. So I went for the dream. And then reality was like, oh, I don't know if you can sustain that physically. And then I really got into TV and film much later, which has been fabulous. But I wish I'd started a little sooner or got into vocal work, like cartoon work. Right. And that could have led me to L.A. And But it's all woulda, coulda, shouldas. So those are paths that have right. shown success for others. Right. And you go, well, could that have been my dream? But I think I thought I was going to go one way and it just... It's gone the way it's gone. That's really hard to answer. Did you ever think you'd be helping a whole lot of people? No. And, I, and even as an actor, you didn't think, I mean, you know, being, I think, part of, of, yes, of course, you, know, you help an audience see joy. the world. Yeah. You give joy. You help them see a different perspective. You help people put themselves in someone else's shoes. You give them entertainment. I believe in that for sure. And yet, there's still, for me, at times, I felt there was a narcissism to that of like, I'm so great. I'm giving all this to the world, but I'm really, for me, I was like, right. it's still about me and my career, and I want to get good reviews, and I want to be loved, right? The artist needs to be loved. Hey, even through the podcast, though, I still want to be loved. I still want to hear if listeners like it. I still want to hear from, I still want to read reviews, right? It is an addiction. But the podcast has let me be like, oh, this is all on my terms. This is me. These are my guests. I'm healing. Put it out. I hope people love it. And then I started learning, oh, I'm like literally changing people's lives, their relationships with their parents. They're interviewing their parents now. They're calling their parents more. They want to come to these retreats. It's crazy. If you build it, they will come. 
So that was amazing. But I still go like, but shouldn't I be a public speaker? Shouldn't I be, right? Like that's where the money is. Right. Or I think, oh, I wish I was a motivational speaker and I had a book out and I could book gigs where I stood on stages and talked about my journey, which I could do someday. You could. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all, it's still there for me, but I've been doing it this way and this medium has been amazing. In the retreat, the listeners, you know, the word community comes up and and I'm really fascinating about specifically as it relates to you is knowing a little bit, being from Chicago, you mm-hmm. know, there there are artistic communities. New York has one and yeah. LA has one and they all have their stereotypes, right? Yeah. And what drew you to the artistic community in Chicago and what did mm. you take out of it? Oh my gosh, it's the most, it's hands down the best community in the United States, I think. I mean, I never lived in LA, but I just think Chicago is so collaborative. We're so ensemble driven some of the best actors in the game. And there's so much work coming in to Chicago, TV, film, and pilots. There's so much amazing comedy. I just, I grew up in the suburbs, so I knew I was going to come back to Chicago. In which suburb? I grew up in Wheaton. You did? Yeah, Wheaton. Excellent. Everybody Wheaton, shout out White. to Wheaton yeah. there, Get everybody. Christianity, what would Jesus do? That's right. Yeah. So I, I went. you can drink wine in the old uh, Mariano's. Mariano's that's so right. that's cool. Look out. <laughs> I you think I may be shrimp. talking out of school on that. You can grab some shrimp and you can have a glass of wine while Eat you walk around. Eat it Brad Pitt style, just in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I love Chicago. So I went to school outside of Chicago and then went to school in New York. And I pretty much knew I was coming back to Chicago for me just because it was accessible. And I did the school at Steppenwolf, which is a training program through Steppenwolf. So that felt like... A great way to get That's in. That's pretty big. I, I don't know how many people through the hospitality industry. I met Lauren Hutton, and I'll never yeah. forget. She said Steppenwolf is an amazing thing. Yeah. People should not overlook it. So that's congratulations. Yeah, that's where John Malkovich that's started, and yeah. Gary Sinise, Gary Sinise, Laurie Metcalf, and many, many, many people. So yeah, I just, I do. I think it's an incredible place. And again, the joke is that I'm saying I'm I've quit or I'm leaving or I'm out of here of theater. But again, that's the narcissism of like, we have, actors have to announce our retirement. And it's like, you don't, you can just go, you know, like you can just go. Right. And then if you want to do a play again, you just come back. Who but are you retiring like, to? We have to tell, yeah, who are you retiring <laughs> do you have a boss? to? Right. We, why do we do that? But, but, but that's do. okay. I it, yeah. I don't know. But I, I learned <laughs> the way that stuck for me to quit smoking cigarettes over 20 years ago yeah. was to tell nobody. Was to tell nobody. Yeah. Just yeah. just stop smoking. Oh, yeah, because if then everybody if I, knows they're going, they see yeah, you smoking. Yeah, they either try to get me smoking right. or they bust my balls when because they see me. So, right. like, just let it be. I would say yeah. the opposite because I told everybody because as soon as I told them if I was smoking again, I'd be a liar. And right. then I'd have to. So telling was the most in, know, honest thing for me. I had to. But the joke as is, soon as yeah, I said it, I'm like, I got to do it. Right. But that. actors are like, oh, God, are you quitting again? You know, yeah, and I'm like, no. well, but that's isn't that dark and <laughs> deep and conflicted, right. and shouldn't there's you so be many. that way? Because yeah. you, you, there's this artistic community, and you find strength in it, even though there's struggle, right? And you bring this to a city that this is relatively new move for you. Yes. Did you consider it from an artistic perspective? Like, what am I going to do here? Yeah. What's going to be? What considerations? And what did bring you here? Hmm. Do I say Farm Club? No, I love it there. I really do. Shout out. I've been coming up here for five years with my husband and his mom would rent a place in Sutton's Bay. Let's be honest. We came because she was buying, you know, she rented the Airbnb and we loved it. So we would come up and we fell in love with that side of the peninsula, but our Leland Alp, right? I mean, I know. we. So I started coming up with her and my husband and then slowly but surely we were like, I want to leave Chicago. I want a different style of life. 
I want a different quality of life. I want a small town. I want to be outdoors more. I like this town because it's purple. It's liberal, but it's, you know, it's still, mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. But it's got artists and so many options for being in nature. And I think a small town feel, a different quality of life, trumped. I hate using that word now. Don't you guys hate using the it word happens. trumped? It happens. Am I allowed to say that on the show? I'm like, yeah, can you, you can't. He took it that happens, word so. too. Take it back. Take oh, it he back. took that word. Um, <laughs> I think he took it before yeah. any of the huge ruckus. But I felt like all those reasons, I knew that there wouldn't be as much theater or TV film or all those things up here. But I didn't really want to come up here and pursue that. I kind of wanted to take a break. It was almost like a, I have to leave the world that I know to kind of separate myself from that community. And I have a lot of artist friends and I have a lot of people and I just, I was already stepping away from theater. So I felt like, well, if I leave Chicago, I won't feel as sad being around it, you know, cause I'm making a choice to be like, I'm distant now. So, so that's a, that's a psychological. You, you didn't look up any of the like SAG talent that's already here or, or any local directors. Cause I mean, there's yeah. you know, feature films that have been Absolutely. filmed from people here and. Yeah, I haven't yet, not because I just, how do I say this? I also believe everything's remote now. So yeah. I wasn't worried about, I have an agent in Chicago. I was not worried that like, if I want to do something still in Chicago or in Detroit, I can send a tape. We can all send tapes. So eventually I was like, when I get settled here, which I literally just got here like six months ago, then I would love to talk to those people in those communities. Yeah. But of course, I'm talking more theater. When I guess I, when I'm talking about this, I'm more referring to like live yeah. shows for yeah. me. And I'd love to do storytelling with like her story. They sound amazing. Oh, and okay. yeah, it's a, organization that does storytelling yeah. i'd love to start my own potentially and yeah i mean i found you i was here yeah. i was renting a place i found you in six days i mean mm -hmm. i was been up here for six days yeah. and i needed to interview peter sagel from wait wait don't tell me and i found you <laughs> and i googled you and i was like i need a recording studio and to be honest there were a couple options it wasn't like you were the only one they were the best and you were my favorite and i just trusted your sweet this is not a plug but that was a good sign that I was like, oh, I know I can find the artist when I need to find. And since then, I've met Parallel 45 people. I've met, I mean, there's lots. Yeah, yeah. I, and I have friends who work at Interlock, and it's, it's here. Yeah. But I also knew, I, but I'm not sure I wanted to work inside an arts institution once, because once I worked here. inside one. Yep, yep, you know, so yep, I, I'm fair. constantly like questioning, I already did that, or I already did that, I already did that. So what's yeah. next? Like, truthfully, I think I'd rather, like, I'm going to become a big brother, big sister, um, in about a week, I'm going to get paired. Thank I'd rather you. do that. that I'd rather so like dope. pick up litter on the peninsula, like be part yeah, of an organization please. that goes out and right, mm -hmm. then do a play. So that's the truth. Oh, okay. That's partly okay. why okay. I came. It was like I want an expansion of myself. Wow, that was a yeah. long answer. No, that was a but wonderful. That, answer, I plugged a lot I of think. people there. That was a big brother yeah, plug. I, yeah, I, that, I almost brought in my own shameless plug just based on the <laughs> amount of talent that is attracted here no, in the absolutely. summertime and people absolutely. that own and then and the like film festival the, of course there's not... always something that uh, that somebody hits us up and oh, they totally. say i'm a voiceover actor yes. and the client i thought they were satisfied they right. I, I have to redo something right, right. now right i'm like cool yeah you know we're here somebody in a company up here i won't say the company but he was like we might need you to do a commercial spot i was like great i mean i am union but you know, we'll see what happens. Like, if it can work, it can work. If it can't, it can't. But I know there's a lot of amazing people. So I just also just got here. I need to take a beat. I need to take a beat. Well, you have things. I have things. Yeah. There, there are things going on. And it's going to call you back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's that's not... So that's also what, exactly. That's what happens with artists. They say you want to work somewhere mm -hmm. or you want to book something. You want to book a TV show. You book a trip. 
And every time you book a trip, you'll get a call for the gig. Or like you have to leave Chicago and go live in LA and then you'll book a plane in Chicago. That happens all the time, Mm -hmm. right? That's just a joke. You like get on an airplane, you're like, ah, vacation. And it's like, you're on hold for this TV show. And you're like, what? I thought I was going on a trip and now, right? So you're right. Watch. I've left. I'm in Traverse City. Yeah. I'm, I want to go on a hike. And they're like, we need you in, on Broadway. <laughs> you know? Immediately. <laughs> <Yeah>. Stat. <laughs> We're going to have hair and makeup meet you on the plane. I should be so lucky. That Get to, wow. to, that to, to the TVC. <laughs> well, you deserve it. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> the podcast has led to mm-hmm. a real thing happening. And this is fast. I think within the realm of podcasts, Mm. podcast obviously does something important right away. And again, like I say, people should listen to it. And when you listen to the first episode, it's very clear what it's all about. But it's led to a retreat Mm. that is bringing people together in a place outside of here that takes logistics and it takes so much to do. And a lot of time. And yes, Mm -hmm. you said there could be some money made from it, and that's great. But what made you leap to that so quickly? Because you could have done little seminars Mm. a day, a weekend. These are significant retreats. Yeah. I mean, I really missed people. (laughs) I really missed people. I'm a people person. Like, just sitting here with you two right now. Yeah. I might get emotional again. Like I'm in person. I'm in front of two people. I am not over Zoom. And there's something really, really gorgeous about that. And so I think for me, I was like, if I get vaccinated again and we get to go out in the world again, I want to be in front of people talking about our moms, talking about our grief, laughing, drinking, whatever, making a fire pit, doing altar building, doing story sharing. And I want to do it at a property that I've loved for years And it's a property I went after my mom died. It's a property I've taken girlfriends. It's like right outside the city. So it's easy to get to. It's not so expensive. You know, it's going to be pricey. Traverse City when I do a retreat. You know, I'm going to have to do a retreat here and anybody out here who has property. But I'd love to do something in October or November, right? Something in the off season. And this would be a destination location, right? This is like- color tour. Yeah. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. The Tunnel of Trees time. Off season is getting shorter and shorter. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. But I feel like if I can bring it up here, what a joy. So that's- next hospitality guy, I'll tell you some insider stuff. Yes, I love that. Yeah, I'll help you plan your next thing for free. Great, great. Yeah, I mean, I think I just wanted to be in person and I thought it was a way to make some money, but that wasn't the goal Did anybody tell you this is a big leap too fast? No, no one. Everyone, I did a brainstorming with some friends- There were a lot of options on the table of what's the next step for me. And the only thing everybody agreed on was I want to make Oracle cards. It's a whole thing as merchandise. These Mm -hmm. like decks of cards. They're really fun for Mother's Grave to sell that everyone was like, do that. That's fun. That's so you, Dana. You love Oracle decks. They're part of the retreat. But then they said, and the next step, the retreat is ripe. Ripe means it's ready. It's easy. And it's joyful. It's not easy. Again, I should also be clear, like I'm really honest. And so I should be honest here that like, that's privilege. I was able, because of my mom's death, to have some money come to me. I'm really real about that. Podcasting is expensive, and not everybody can afford an editor. And even though everyone should have an editor, I 100% believe it. I don't think you should start a podcast unless you have one. But I inherited some money, and that allowed me to rent that space, you know, because I had to rent it first, and then hopefully money will come. So I was taking a risk, of course. But right. I just knew if you build it, people will come, and, and I watched it happen in real time. So that was really sweet. Now, is it sold out for my next one? No. And I got to hustle really hard on this next one to get it sold. 
It's more expensive. It's longer. And, you know, every year we don't know what's going on with the economy. We're watching right. people struggle and companies struggle and layoffs. So I don't know what's going to happen. But I also believe if somebody wants something and needs something and is craving something in their life, like this retreat experience, they'll find the money. And we're also doing a donation for this next. We'll yes. get to that. But we're doing a scholarship for someone. But Awesome. Anyway. Nice. But yes. What does that yeah. retreat take from you and what does it give to you? It takes from me... A lot of logistical work. It's website building. It's newsletter writing. It's right. It takes the brain power. It takes it admin work, and it takes. It You're takes an artist. A, do you love that? I love that. I you do. do. I do love. I do love you that. Are the I'm paradox. Weird. I know. I love responding to emails. I know. Right. I know. I kind of love that stuff, but it takes courage. It takes like optimism. It takes putting myself front and center to like tell my story so that I hope other people will come along for the ride. I was a participant in the last retreat. Like I used my mom's ashes. Like they were part of my, we did this activity with objects and I brought my mom to the table. Like I wasn't just the hair club president. I was also a client. Like the joke of like, I produced this thing, I created it, but like I was also part of some activities. But will that continue every year? No, but it was the first one. So I was like, part of this grieving experience and then it gives me community it gives me rest it gives me a sense of purpose the retreat does like all the things like i was saying about superpower it does all the things that i think i was put on this earth to do you know yeah to connect with people make people feel good unify people share my story help people laugh bring people together and that my team is amazing and they're also incredible the people that do this with me but that just feels right is what i'm saying like it's ripe it's easy, it's joyful. Like an online seminar, that's not really joyful. Or creating a course that people would take, you know, like those courses everyone makes. Like for me, I can't. That this is something help that me. feels just a little bit too real to yeah. translate that way. And not yeah. saying that every interaction has to end in tears or has to end in some kind of emotional transference, but yeah. how could it not? And so I want to ask you on the notion of what does it take from you? Because you give so much of yourself in this podcast and so much so that right out of the gate, if I may reference the first episode. Yeah. You mean Rusty? Are you? Well, I'll, oh, I'll get to that. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, I love her. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, when you say first, but you mean? The intro. And oh, you okay. talk about getting the call and I just quote you, please let her be dead mm-hmm. is a quote that stuck with me. And I am somebody who has not lost their mother. Mm. But that was the thing that made me think this is real. But how do you balance the giving and the taking of this grief? Because you're talking to people and there's no way I think you can't be taking something. Mm. You can't be taking some of this on. And you keep it light. So were you coached in this? Mm. Do you think about your mental health as a result of of this? Of course. Can I ask you a question before I answer that? Sure. Well, I'm not going to ask you about your relationship with your mom right huh? now, but when you heard that line, did it shock you? Did it upset you? In context of what I was talking about is one part, but like, did it make you think about your relationship with your mom? What did um, that moment do for you? You know, I saw more about you mm-hmm. because I was thinking about it in the context of this interview. Right. Okay. So I was really... Th- it wasn't this, even... A, yeah, it was this, about me. Yeah. It, it was... And, and it said something... And I identified with it. I identified that relief in yeah. a way. Yeah. Because I heard it in your voice. Yeah. And this was just the first episode. Yeah. So reflecting on it later, yeah, absolutely. It was a perfect thing to share because it was very, very sincere yeah. and it made me 
want to listen to as many episodes as I did. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah. that's a scary, I mean, that's a scary thing to say. And it was a scary thing to put out, right? Kind of. Because it's like, you don't usually say that stuff. It, yeah, it was ballsy. Right. Yeah, it was a choice. And, and did anybody say, eh, a little um, too much? My trailer was the, I think when I dropped my, I had like, I don't even remember. I had like 300 shares on Facebook. Like, I felt like it blew up. People were like, oh my God, we can't wait. Like, she's saying, like, Dana Black, oh my God, hold the hold the table. Grab well, I swear the, on my mother's grave, your, you know, everything. It was just like, let's go. People were, I mean, yes, of, I'm sure. And again, I, not everyone is sitting here to tell me how they felt. I'm sure some people were like, oh. But most people know me. I mean, there's a book right now, right? I think everybody knows about I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy is this big book that mm, just came oh, out. And uh, she's yeah. a Nickelodeon star, but she had a very different relationship with her mom. But again, there's something terrifying about writing a book called I'm Glad My Mom Died, but there's a really complicated reason why mm -hmm. she feels that way, but she also loved her mom, right? There's this really push-pull and some trauma that she yeah. went through, massive trauma. Mine is about, as we know in the trailer, about my mom being really sick neuropathy, addiction, depression. And I just literally was like, I can't get to the hospital and have her be still sick or in a coma. Just take her. She needs to rest. Like my mom needed to rest, you know? And so when I did that trailer, I remember I did it a couple times. And the truth is I tell a lot of people this. When I was starting, they were like, they wanted to talk about like starting the show, friends of mine. And I would play different versions of that trailer to my husband. And he was always like, you're not saying the thing. You're talking around the thing. Just say it. Tell us what you felt. Tell us the true meaning behind what it felt like to yeah. acknowledge that you wanted your mom to die. And I was like, well, I might need to just say it. And he was like, the joke is that he's always like, give it another pass. Like any closers I do or intros, he's like, one more time. And then you he's incredible. You share with him? Oh, yeah. Is he your first go-to or is he your last go-to? He would say, please, Lord, let her go to someone else at this point. You know what I mean? I'm always going to him. And he's got an incredible mind, an incredible yeah. heart. He's really smart. So he's good at being like, you're so close. But that isn't like, it's too convoluted. Or and when it gets tense, do you ever have to throw your training in, in his face? Like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Who here went? <clears throat> no. So he... do you get the final say? Or do you, of do you acquiesce? No, I you just, know, need, like, I just need a ever... sounding board. But it's also COVID. There's nobody else in the house. So I have to like, I had to go to him a lot. That's oh, what I mean. Well, yeah. thinking about. And my editor, of course. But Your guests. Yeah. What is your approach on getting guests and securing guests? And did you have an idea of how you wanted it to go and flow? Um. Yeah, I think I... Because a lot of friends, you have a network, you, yeah. there are people you know, yeah, people I started you a don't spread know. I started a spreadsheet of people that were my dream guests, like Governor Pritzker. I still really want the governor of Illinois to come on my show. He used his mom in a lot of his campaign ads, the loss of his mom when he yeah. was really young. But it never happened. I went through somebody and then I never got anywhere. But he was a dream oh. guest. And wow. then I had some other, some other famous people on my show and or on my dream list. Yeah. And then the rest was just people I knew and really good friends of mine. And I, because my show is about estrangement and death. So mm -hmm. I would try to make sure I had people who were, I knew had complicated relations with their moms and then some who had lost their moms and had been like at least a couple years out from their grief. They aren't as immediate, like it yeah. didn't just happen. Right. I think for estrangement, it's hard though, because I would talk to people sometimes and once you talk and they share their story, and then you say, okay, it's going live. We have a edited version. You ready? They're nervous because their parent is still living. Go. And so it's not always a go, right? They can have regrets. Anybody can have regrets, even right. if their parents have passed. 
But I know that that was a concern with one of my guests from season one, Xander, a trans man. You know, he was just like making sure okay. that this was something he really yeah. wanted to put out into the world. And he did. But ultimately, in that episode is one of my favorites. So, uh, it's yeah. tremendous. Oh, it, you're the best. It is. I, really, I should hire you it's to so, just do my... There, there's There's a delivery <laughs> and a balance that's really good. And your lineup of guests is not only unique, but just the tone of their voice, how you yeah. get different things out of them is really great. Thank you. And you're always wondering what's going to come next. You know, what kind of... Curiosity, So on that yeah. note, were you looking for a Mark Maron moment ever? Nah. Did you think like... What is gonna... a Mark Maron moment? Tell me well, what that means. They, Todd Glass came out as homosexual oh. on, I think, uh, Todd, oh, on that. WTF yeah. podcast. And so it was a moment that was really no. positive, but hmm. any kind of like... Of course, I want them to... Of revelation course. or anything I want to... Like, I want to... Like my mom's really not... Right, right. Not my mom's here really, and, She's here. She's alive. You know, here she comes out the closet. Were, were you looking for something really huge or no. was was just enough the conversation was it just to share and to yeah. have this connection yes anybody learning something for the first time on the mic either the host or the guest is interesting it's all get out that's interesting saying something that is scary is interesting saying something that might be taboo is interesting but i don't really have an agenda per se mm -hmm. i have questions slowly but surely i wouldn't keep up any notes at all. I would have like a framework and then I would kind of toss it. I just kind of let the conversation go where it needs to go. And I follow threads that are interesting. Mm -hmm. And especially with Xander, I didn't know him. So that was a stranger. And that's scary because I don't know them. But I felt like I had to kind of hold this space. I had to hold it really delicately in my hands because I didn't want to upset or say the wrong thing or sure. be overbearing. And yet I remember that call I, or that interview where I, I was like, I'm going to say it like, I'm going to tell this person that they're generous and gracious and then ask them, have they ever thought of this? And because he'd never heard somebody say that back to him, yeah. I was like, I got to go for it. You know, I So that's the mentality. It's yeah. like it's, it is a little bit in the moment because I wonder that pressure that you feel of performance. You, mm. You're clearly having a conversation that's very real, but you're tuned to the fact that, the, yeah. you know, there's timing that has to be done, but it comes across very conversational. Was that the idea because you yeah. don't just touch on death you touch on grief you touch on so many different other related addiction the list is endless children people say it's somebody so, said your show is about what it's like to be someone's child which i thought was so beautiful i was like oh cool yeah okay right. sure but you have to be ready for yeah. almost anything especially with somebody you don't know yeah i think i worry about not having anything to say that i would just you just stop in the middle of the conversation because if they aren't a talker or if they aren't a sharer or they have one word answers, or, which most of my guests aren't because they're incredibly like articulate artists. Right. right. But the truth is sometimes I would tell people this is a conversation. This is a dialogue. And that's hard. Peter Sagal doesn't need to be in dialogue with me. Right. He isn't used to that. and Or he's used to being the host. So when he's on someone else's show, it's different. And I think he even felt that like are we in dialogue or are you interviewing me? And I was, I'm interviewing him, but I still always want my guests to be able to say back to me, because ask me something, right? And that's yeah. what's hard and it's hard to do that. I think for me, I I just have to kind of follow it, follow where it goes. And, and if I lead with vulnerability and I share my story and I try to connect even with someone as famous as Peter, I'm like, I'm going to jump in and tell you my history of right. addiction or I'm going to tell you about my story while I'm opening the door for you to share yours. Um, What's fascinating to me is, is that do you feel like, or maybe you don't feel like, but you have to be 
have a response to everything and maybe feels that, you mm-hmm. know, like if somebody, if you know you're talking about suicide, you can be yeah. ready for that. But if something else comes up, well, you have true. to lead the conversation somehow yeah. and you have to be maybe seen as an authority. Do you mm-hmm. feel that pressure or are you saying, hey, we're just talking. No, I'm not, I'm not an giving advice, you know, no. I, I, clearly. I'm never an authority. Um, so you're just able, because again, you're opening yourself to yeah. so much no. that you just have to rely on maybe those improv skills that yeah. you, you learned and to have to adapt to. Generosity and compassion and empathy right. and humor and letting them know we're going to hold space and we're going to laugh. We're going to like cry in this moment. And then in 20 seconds, you know, I'm making a joke about right. like we're going to get out of this yeah. and then we're going to come back. And I'm always clear about, hey, before an interview, I send them information and I say, so we are going to, if you're willing, you know, I've obviously asked you on the show to talk about your mom's suicide. So just know that I might bring up this. I might bring up that. I might read what you wrote about her on Instagram. Yeah. And these people are like, Tina, usually they say, of course, like, of course, that's why I'm coming here. And if they don't want to talk about their father or other related characters, we cut them later. Or they yeah. say, I talked too much about my brother. He shouldn't be in this. Or okay. how much should I say about my aunt? You know? So how, like a little insider and I, Of course. Info. And that's later. I mean, but I always yeah. say, like, we're just rolling. I'm not thinking about the final version. I'm not thinking about editing. I'm not thinking about... I mean, I might be looking at the time, like, how long we're on the mic for. But right. I usually say, you say whatever you want. You can get up, you can go to the bathroom during this, you can take a beat, you can take a pause, you can go back and say a line again mm-hmm. if you felt like you want to start over and you can say stuff well, and we'll you're talk a good about host. it later. Yeah. You know, you make people feel yeah. comfortable. But in the lore yeah. of the I Swear on My Mother's Grave podcast, mm. among the fans, amongst everybody who loves the show, is the word Daisy mm. special. Yes. Because as it relates to preparation <laughs> for a podcast and gauntlets, traversed. I feel like I went through a big one Yeah, listening to the Daisy episode. And if I may, you interviewed a 16-year-old girl yeah. who lost her mother at the age of eight. Yeah, I did this knowing I have a 16-year-old daughter. Mm. And it was... What did that feel like? I was yeah. really fully into the podcast by then. I'll just be honest, a little insider baseball there. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. Yeah. It was so hard. Mostly because, I, like Mark said earlier, the articulation in her voice. Yeah fueled by grief and the story about the kids singing the sun will come out tomorrow mm-hmm. i maybe didn't recover from mm. i maybe still i'm a little joking but i w- i broke a little a lot mm-hmm. listening to her say that yeah and i want to ask you how did you make that interview happen because your poise your handling of it i may not have taken it so why did you decide to do it and how did you prepare to talk to her? That's a good question. I was referred to her through my friend Sarah of Hearts to Art, the grief camp that Sarah worked at for kids between the ages of 7 and 14 who have lost a parent. And so my friend Sarah referred me to this camper who had also become a junior counselor. And I think Daisy might be they, them now, but I don't know. So they could have changed their pronouns. So just to be clear, we'll say they. But at the time, Daisy was female identifying. I was actually really excited. I heard they were really articulate and smart, but quiet. And so Sarah said before the interview, I can't legally tell you anything about their story because of like, Mm -hmm. I just met her through this grief camp. It's not my job. But I've asked if they want to do this. And they said yes. So I assume once you get on the call, you will understand that you might have something in common, right? Addiction. Mm -hmm. I just knew... I have to lead with like, yo, you're a kid. I'm an adult. I know I'm going to seem uncool to you. You know, I just have to lead with, 
who, here's who I am. And also my story is real different than yours. Our life stories, our families, our how we were raised, our race, class, like all that's going to live there. So I don't need to really yeah. talk about that. I just have to act like this person is my total peer. And they are, right? It's called peer counseling. It's like we're both helping each other. And Daisy taught me things on that call about addiction that I had never thought about with my mom and how you're supposed to move through the world as a child with so much loss. And truthfully, they said things that many adults say that I'd already heard. Like they were saying it so young and because they'd experienced it years before I had, right? I remember that day the Zoom was really spotty. So I thought oh, we lost. Helps, it? Yeah, Jeez. I thought we lost the whole interview oh, because no. I couldn't hear certain parts. So I would have to ask them to repeat it. But then we were recording locally, so it was yeah. fine. But and then my editor did God's work because I said, yeah. "Let's make it short so that it's it's compressed. It's a tighter, it's a little shorter yeah, than most, thirty-five but, yeah, minutes." Yeah. And I just kind of let Daisy's wisdom guide where I was going. I don't have a lot of pre-planned things. And I wanted them to share their mom's photo with me on the mic, and they did, and that was beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm very fascinated because the concept came up with my own daughter about sharing grief versus burdening people with it. Mm -hmm. She mentioned she doesn't talk about certain things because she doesn't want to burden her friends with yeah. things, although she takes everything on. So I'm seeing these traits. What are your thoughts on that? Burdening? That, that it's a, it can be a burden. Because I read the description of Daisy's episode. I mm -hmm. knew full well what I was going into. Right. And I'm very glad that I listened to it. Yeah. It, was, it was wonderful. And, it's, and but... it's helpful to hear like the teachers were telling them you have to make Mother's Day cards, even if you haven't lost. Like, what? First of all, that's okay. wrong. The anger yeah, that the, you're, I know. you're, and I was angry I for her it's horrible. through you. Horrible. You're, you're horrible. like, what? Who right. am I going to call? Right. And the things people say to just me, and I can process it at 43. How old am I? 42. I can process weird comments coming at me or people not being aware that I might have lost a parent. But this is a 16-year-old or she lost her mom at eight, you know, and they were so self-aware to still be able to yeah. articulate like, no, look alive, <laughs> be more conscious of, yeah. of how you're speaking to a child going through grief. And then I went and worked at that camp, which was amazing. I went and worked at it the next summer. So I got to meet other campers and, wow. and then see Daisy in person, which I'd never met. So yeah, I'd never met Daisy. She's still a Harry night. Potter fan? I don't know. Right. I don't you know. know. If they're, stages. If yeah. If we're looking at, yeah. Well, you've done, you've done so much and you've concluded season two. Yes. What's next? <gasps> Can I ask that? How far did you get into this podcast? Did you go all the way? All the way. Did you finish this? I, no. I didn't listen to it's amazing. the last, last. Yeah. 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 I've listened to a lot of them. Jeez. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. That's so cool. It's really good. Yeah. I, I said. You're so sweet. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't, you know, I know there's decorum on a podcast. Yeah. I'm supposed to say it's good. It's really, really good. No, oh, thank so you. Tell everybody, everybody you should know. listen to it. Yeah, great. Maybe not your child yet. <laughs> there, There's some episodes yeah. I would absolutely share with my with my child. Which ones? Oh, would, Daisy's I was going to sure. say, would Daisy be one? Uh, oh, 100%. It's where it'd start. Wow. Tell me. Yeah. Oh, man. What's yeah. next? I don't know. I have to decide if I'm coming back with a third season. So that's my answer. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I should and I need to, and I have to make sure I want to. Yeah. I also feel really guilty when I can't talk to everybody. And right now I have a spreadsheet of like 80 people who either want to talk to me or I want to talk to or I've thought about or famous people I want to pitch. Right. And I just can't get to all of them. And I think I feel bad. And I go, yeah. well, I'll just wrap it up. I won't do any more. 
and it's expensive and it's a lot of time and yeah. it's a lot of energy. And yeah, I have a therapist and I have friends and I talk through this. And as you know, my, my second season is more joyful and I have more hope and yeah, love. Yeah, you get it. Absolutely. But it's still, it's you a, know, it's, it's still that. It's a wonderful death. evolution. Yeah. It's still dealing with some yeah. heavy stuff, but. Well, we'll I know see. I know we have some time stuff, yes. but I wanted I want to do some I want to run something by you, yeah, because you inspired me with the T-shirt ideas, and okay. I know that there's things that maybe this is a little exercise, and I'm just going to have a teeny bit of fun, okay. Just maybe this is seeing if you remember some elements from your show. So I came up with just a few T-shirt ideas, okay, based on pulls from the show, <laughs> and I want to see maybe if you remember. Full disclosure, I forget the list of whose was whose. Sure. I'll try to remember, but if maybe we can put my t-shirt idea to the guest. Okay. Okay? So my first idea for a t-shirt, and I don't have a graphic for it, maybe it's just uh, lettering, missionary of feminist proportions. Oh. Missionary? Of feminist proportions. Oh. Caitlin. I think. Yes, yeah. it was. Yes. All right. I have... This is just a photo. <laughs> it's a photo of a dog with Bob Barker's face on it. Oh, and her mom passed yeah, away. That was yeah. an episode I did with someone whose mom had dementia and she Absolute. was living in a, oh, a home. Oh. But she passed away last year. Since, yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. But that was so much fun. Yeah. We got to go sing outside her mom's, you know. You did? Yeah. We would sing at the windows because of COVID. Ah, I know. Yes. That's a wonderful episode as well. All right. Just got a few more. Yeah. Here's one. The image is I'm stealing of, all of, these. of a woman passed out on a grave near a whiskey bottle. And the caption is, don't do this again. Oh, I think that's Caitlin, too. Yeah. 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 That's a really great one. one. My last one, I think it's just Sheriff Billy Bold. And it's just a photo of Lane Flores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does that sound cool? Yeah. So those were my T-shirt ideas. And clearly, you you know, oh you gosh. remember some of these great episodes. It's crazy. But what are the best ways to support, to donate, yeah. to connect, to listen? Because people should. So what are the best ways to connect with you to listen? You can listen to, I swear, on my mother's grave on all major podcasting platforms like Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, all the things. You can find me, write a review, tell your friends, do all the things. I have a newsletter, so you can find me at danablack.org. Dana Thank you. And, yes. Right? I was like, you, you have it yeah, somewhere yeah, in your little notes. Here. I like it when you say it, just to confirm. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, you can find my acting reel, you can find voiceover stuff, yeah. but you can find the podcast there and you can also subscribe to the newsletter and learn about the retreat, which is this summer, June 8th through 11th in Antioch, Illinois. And we have started a scholarship for one person to attend at a discounted rate. So we're taking donations so that somebody can come. So if you've lost a father or you've lost a child or you love the podcast and you can't come or you just love the work we're doing and you understand grief, you can donate, you know, five, ten, six thousand, whatever you want to um, to help us make it a reality. And then if you have property in Traverse City and you like fun people, you should find me and maybe I'll do a retreat up here. So, yeah, I think it would be awesome. It'd be amazing. We would be lucky to have yeah. it. Yeah. Well, Dana, thank you so much for your pursuits and to all of those who pursue along with you, talking about your moms, talking about grief and loss in a positive way, and allowing everyone to learn and gain something from it. It's a really amazing show. Thank you. Thank you for all the work that you do. And to our listeners, thank you all for listening, and thank you for pursuing the positive. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again on the Pursuit of Podcasts, the Pursuit of Dana Black, and I swear on my mother's grave. For more information and to learn about our friend Dana, her acting, her podcast, the retreat, go to danablack.org. And if you are interested in sharing your pursuit or know of a cause that should be highlighted on this show, feel free to reach out to us at newleonard.com. 
All things audio, video, podcast production related.